Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Wa al-aqibatu lil-muntaqeen. Wa la ujbana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa salawatullahi wa salamuhu wa ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wa al-mursaleen. Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla. Wa anta tajru al-hazna idha sha'la sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatika ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Right, folks. Um, so, in today's uh, lesson, who can actually see from their notes exactly what we got up to? I tried to work it out. It was a bit. I thought I marked it. I normally mark it, but I couldn't find a marking. Anyone? It's all a bit nebulous, yeah, the way that we. That, that helps me absolutely zero. That does okay. There's lots of thingy. I think I think what we got up to is 308, page 308 in Al Mumta Al Nawa the second type of conversion. Bring it uh, English that's up. So wait, what we would do? Actually, bring it down to. The, uh, let me read some of the Arabic. Yeah, we did that, Yara. So. Um, I think it is, yeah, yeah. I think we were we ended whilst explaining the statement. Wa inna wa al munfaridu al. This is the third line from the bottom. Wa inna wa al munfaridu al i'timama lam tasihak lam tasih. What's lam tasih? That's a that's a that's a mistake right there. By the way, that should be lam tasih. There should be a, 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 a sukun on the the ha. Okay, remember someone to uh, uh, correct that in Arabic. I missed that. لم تصح كنية إمامته فرضا. That's what we're going to finish today. وإن فرض مؤتم بلا عذر بطلت وتبطل صلاة مأموم ببطلان صلاة إمامه فلا استخلاف. وإن أحرم إمام الحي بمن أحرم بهم نائبه وعاد النائب Mu'tamman Saha. Okay, so we're going to finish the statement. Um, it is not valid for the one praying alone to decide to become a follower. That's what we spent doing all last week. Okay, just like it is not valid for him to decide to lead an obligatory prayer. That's what we're going to start with. That's, that's what we got up to that, that sentence. Then we're going to read it is not valid for a follower to convert to praying alone without legal excuse. I don't, I don't know if we'll be able to get to the next sentence. We'll see if we will. So I just want you to, whilst looking at that English text, it is not valid, it happens three times. Okay? Because these are three conversions. These are three Niyya conversions. The first Niyya conversion is from alone to becoming a follower. Al-Munfarid to a Mu'tamin. Yeah, okay? And then the second type of conversion is when a person um, is a praying alone and he decides to become an imam and then the third is the one who is following the imam and then he goes sack this I'm going to pray by myself you get what I'm saying these are the three categories of conversion we've done one alright we've done one what was the conclusion of the, of the, of the first one no more turning around yeah yeah Huh? The first one is uh, 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 um, uh, someone who's praying alone to become an imam, right? 
Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry. Someone who's praying alone to become a follower. So he's, you know, he's standing there and then he basically decides to jump in. It should just... Correct. Correct. We find that whole thing a bit strange, a bit weird. You know, uh, just suddenly kind of jumping on. And if he really is going to jump on, then he should just come out of the prayer and just, then, and, you know, get in. That's right. We also mentioned in two, three lessons ago that if he's near a two raka'a mark, then he changed the intention to a nafal and he just cuts off there and then at the two raka'a uh, or the four raka'a if he can. But really comes out of it and joins. Yeah, it's, it's more cleaner, it's better, and uh, uh, you know this this particular position is quite a common sense one. That's not valid. We don't want to go so far as say not valid, not valid. But it's best that a person just comes out. So the second type, Sheikh Uthamin says, I know Uthani. The second type of conversion, al intiqalu min firadin ila imamatin, from the person who is praying alone to becoming an imam, and that's why he said kaniyati imamatihi farda, such as if he was to intend to become a imam of a fard prayer. And that's interesting because he specifies fard, which indicates therefore that pro quid pro, it means therefore that if he's a imam of a sunnah, if he's praying sunnah, then he doesn't need to do that. No. No, no. Yeah. What would, you, what would the ruling be for the sunnah? We touched upon the hadith last week. It is not valid for him to decide to lead an obligatory prayer. Why mention the obligatory prayer? Because he's proving that it is valid for him to lead a nafil prayer. Okay? That's the, the significance of him saying fard in the, in the thing. That if he is praying alone, then that is a permissible conversion. Alright? That's what we're going to be looking at. Alright? Anyway, what is the, the author uh, uh, talking about? He's saying, there's a person, he starts his prayer alone... Then a couple of people come and they say, hey, lead us in prayer. Okay, you know, he's probably at the front, probably wearing a thobe, got a beard, hat. He looks like an authoritative figure. So he's praying alone. So they probably say, that's the kind of thing Pax do, to be honest. Yeah, he's got the longest beard, he's got a clean hat, that kind of thing. Yeah, so then he just say, you know, he is them. So he just makes the intention to become that imam, right? And then he says, you know, he starts saying Allah Akbar loudly and they're in the game and that's it. Okay, that is... A person who is praying alone, who's now changed to become an imam. The, humble, uh, the author has said, right? Mamla Hajjawi has said, this is not valid, invalid for him to do that, okay? Because he has gone from a niya to a niya, and the prayer is invalidated, just as if he had gone from a fard to a fard. That's his words. Just like as if he had just changed from asr to uh, dhuhr, or dhuhr to asr, unacceptable. But Sheikh Uthameen says at the top of 309, he goes, but what we can really glean from this statement of the author is that the mentioning of the word fard means that if he changes in a nafal prayer, so if he's praying alone in nafal and then people join, then he can then change that. Okay? We've already yeah, mentioned two evidences last week. We said about Ramadan, the Prophet you're praying alone in a nafal tarawih, and then he became the imam, and that's that. And the more direct evidence is the hadith uh, that where Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he stayed with the Prophet ﷺ, slept over at the Prophet ﷺ's uh, house. The Prophet ﷺ awoke for tahajjud, and then Ibn Abbas also then woke up and he stood to his left. And so the Prophet ﷺ took him by his head, 
and we know that specifically uh, that uh, this is the Rawai of Bukhari. We know that he took him by the ear and he uh, took him behind him like this. And then he put him on his right hand side. So what do we have here? The Prophet ﷺ converting his singular alone praying status, Munfarid, to becoming an Imam. So according to this, it is therefore clear that it is allowed in Nafal. Because there's a Nas, a text from the Prophet ﷺ. Clear everybody? Everybody happy with that? So now we have a very interesting question. Alright? There is, before the question, sorry, we have a second opinion. The second opinion is in this issue is that it is valid to go from individual praying status to becoming an imam, both in the far and the nafal. So, so far we've said that the opinion of Imam al-Hajjawi, you're going to learn, I'll tell you now, that the humbly madhab don't allow it at all. The humbly school, the al-madhab, the mu'atamad, the official position of the humbly school, they don't allow conversion at all. Neither in a nafal, neither in a... Uh, fard prayer either Imam al-Hajjawi is in the middle he's like not possible in a fard but it is possible in the nafal because of this hadith and the next third opinion you can say is this one which is that it's allowed in nafal allowed in fard that's the position of Imam Sheikh al-Uthameen it's also the class position as well now you might say how is that because the evidence came in a nafal right and we say, whatever is established in the nafal, whatever Islamic ruling is established in a nafal scenario, whether fasting or salah or X or Y, it is then also established in obligatory aspects as well, unless there is an evidence to the contrary. So basically the asal, the status quo, is that whatever is established as a rule in Sunnah or in Nafal, then it applies to Fard scenarios as well, unless there's a direct evidence that would indicate that's not the case. Okay? Now, what's the evidence for this? What's the, what, yani what's the evidence for this maxim? Because this maxim is a big maxim, it's a big shout. So if we're going to go for that shout, what's the evidence that this maxim even exists? That whatever, and that's why he says, is that so the evidence that whatever the evidence to support the fact that whatever is established in the nafil is therefore established in the fard is the fact that what we covered before when the companions عنهم, saw the Prophet praying on his ride and he, whilst he was praying on his ride on a safar, he would point towards the direction of the ride and not towards the qibla. Yes, we covered that hadith. Except, and this is what the companion said, Except that, he did not pray the fard prayer upon it. If you remember the narration, when you go back and look at the narration, we translated it, except what they said, that we saw him وسلم, praying the prayer, not nafal, praying the prayer on his right, in whatever direction the right was going, except that he wouldn't do that for the obligatory prayer. Did you see that? Except that he wouldn't do that for the obligatory prayer. That's the end of the statement. Now, obviously, from a fiqh point of view, 
We took all of our rulings. It's allowed to do it in Nafal. It's allowed, therefore, to apply that to a car. It's got to be not just parking up. It's got to be on a journey and uh, blah, blah, blah. And then we see the last end of it. So then we realize, okay, we can't do this for Maghrib. We can't do this for Isha. We can't do this for obligation. That's the faqih looking at it. The usuli, okay, yeah, the one who looks at the principles of fiqh, he looks at this hadith through a different set of glasses. And what he sees is, in, is a fascinating observation. And that is, is that what this hadith indicates is that the companions felt compelled to clarify that this was not applicable to the obligatory. And this is unusual. And what it indicates therefore is that when they, when they normally, or the companion normally, or the Prophet ﷺ normally establishes a ruling, it's applicable to both. And if it's not, they'll make a point of it. If it's not related to the obligatory, they'll, they'll, they'll call it out. So that's why Shaykh Uthameen, and I'll translate what he says, so if this indicates with this statement of the companions, which is noted in Bukhari and Muslim, and on page 257 we did the takhrij there, this indicates that it was well known to them that whatever was established in the nafal was established in the fard, and if, 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 if this wasn't the case, then there would be no point in saying that, he, but he didn't pray the obligatory prayer. Does that make sense? That's a, that's a cute point at the end. If this wasn't the case, there would be no meaning, there would be no sense to why the companions would say, but not the obligatory. Them, st- them saying that, that, but not the obligatory prayer, indicates that normally the rule is for everything. I think it's very good evidence and it's clear and it's well established amongst the scholars. Okay? So therefore using this then um, is therefore our position. Um, so, Sheikh says, what if someone... Uh, yeah, those uh, second position people, the Hanbalis, the Hanbali school, I should say, because now you can see that we are on one end and the Hanbalis are on the other end and Imam al-Hajjaw is in the middle, صح? We said it's allowed in Fard and Nafal. They said not allowed in Fard or Nafal. And Imam al-Hajjaw said only allowed in Nafal for a person praying on his own to become an Imam. So the first question that both of us should ask is that how on earth did the Hanbalis justify their position? Yes? I mean, we see our angle, and we see the play of hijabi. So, anyone want to give a shout for those guys? What do you think they? How do you think they they justified their position? Just being conservative. How can you be conservative in the face of an os, in the face of a clear text? Did they use that text to justify their position? Yes, they're gonna have to use it. Whatever they're gonna do, they have to deal with it. The hadith is there, Bukhari. So, what are you gonna do with it? That he was a leader and that he can't be followed. He, He's not follow people follow him as in Salah, except for the rarest of occasions. They didn't say that, and I don't know if that makes sense either. I'm not sure. Was um, in verse Yeah. So maybe um, Prophet was the So he wasn't even leading him actually. No, maybe he was teaching him. Yeah, meaning he wasn't actually legally leading him. Yeah, that's a good argument. That I like that. That's not what they said, but that's I, I, that, that, that's a good sense argument. They could have said that. They could have said that actually that hadith 
it means nothing. But Abbas was a young kid; he wasn't even leading him. Just like you know, if you put your kid next to you, yeah, and you know, you know, you put him there, but you know he's going to walk off after three seconds anyway. All the Prophet know that he's got Ibn Abbas there. And he's in the that's what they said. That that that's what the that's what the Hanbali said. They said actually, the Prophet he knew. All right, they said that. Not, 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 uh, not that he knew. It was yani, probable, he thought it probable that Ibn Abbas was going to pray with him. So according to that, alright, that he was going to uh, 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 become an imam. So before he made the takbir, he made the intention that he was going to be an imam. That's basically their argument. Sheikh Uthameen says, we've got two responses to that. The first one is, uh, that's yani, you know, that's just weird. That's just ba'id yani. Okay, that's just far, far off the mark. Uh, why would he have thought that Ibn Abbas, young boy, young, sleeping, what's the, what's the, what's the evidence that yani, you would have thought that he's going to pray with you? The two factors that just, you know, take him off the scene. Young boys don't pray the night prayer. And he's sleeping as well. So why would you have thought that? And secondly, um, uh, he goes. Even yeah, he goes. Let's just assume that it's not far. Let's let's assume that uh, uh, it is quite likely for him to wake up. And maybe he did used to wake up. And he's not as young as you may think. Whatever, whatnot. What's your evidence that he uh, knew or thought that he was going to lead him? That itself requires an evidence. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yani for you to say that the Prophet ﷺ thought, you know, you're making an affirmative statement. You get the point? So when you're making an affirmative, affirmative statement, you have to have an evidence to indicate that. Because that when, you, when, you, when you study Usul al-Fiqh and you're trying to derive evidences, istidlal, trying to derive the correct position, you can't just ignore the obvious. If you're going to go for an alternative position, you've got to have some evidences to go to the alternative position. The obvious easy position here is that he wasn't intending to lead him. Then he came. So he changed his intention to lead him. That's the obvious answer. So now when you're saying, well, beforehand he thought that he was going to come, okay, and therefore he, be- he made the intention for the imam, okay, we'll accept that. Prove it. If you can't prove it, it's a big shout, end of story. Do you get the point, everybody? Okay, so that's that, all right? Um, so Sheikh says, um, uh, uh, Sheikh Uthameen concludes this, this chapter and he says, فَيَبْقَى حَدِيثِ ابْنَ عَبَّاسِ مُحْكَمًا سَالِمًا مِنَ الْمُعَارَضَةِ So the hadith of Ibn Abbas remains absolutely clear, absolutely sound, no contradictions in it, and therefore it is possible to use it and analogize, make the analogy that it can be applied in the nafal, fardan, or naflan, no doubt about it. That's class position. Okay? Now the third type of conversion. The third type of intiqalat or intiqal is Okay, so now we have a guy who is a follower, he's in a jama'ah and he decides to now go rogue. Yeah, like jump ship. Do you understand? And pray by himself. And if he does that without legal excuse, bila udhar. Without any other, without any excuse, the prayer is invalidated. Right. And we need to explain a few things here. 
So, first of all, a person, so, if, so an example, a person, he joins the imam for the salah, and then some kind of emergency happens, and uh, so he then he isolates himself, and he prays off, he finishes off the prayer by himself, then if the, uh, the, the, the excuse is valid, then his prayer is valid, and if the excuse is invalid, then the prayer is invalid, his action is invalid, okay? What kind of excuses? Because anyone can black in excuse, isn't it? Okay, so let's try and bring some criterion for the excuses. The first one is the obvious one, folks. No, huh? Sorry. No. Yeah, that's what we we want him to break this. We don't want him to break the law. We want him to go to thingy. <laughs> he thought it was he thought it was one prayer, but then he realized the guy's praying something else. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, exactly. Is that what's this man? I'm out of it, man. There's a hadith about this. In fact, in fact, it's the only hadith that I know in the chapter. Yeah, in in the issue of someone who's a follower changing from a follower to a uh, individual. Okay. Uh, uh, it is super famous. We don't, we don't say that he's broken the salah. And he's no, no, we're not talking breaking. He still prays. He still prays. But he's, he's rapidly reading the next two. Rows. Correct. He's up. He's left the imam. So you know he might be standing in the line, but he's up down by himself. Of course. Behind, uh, yep. We yeah. mentioned it last week. We mentioned it last week. Correct. Yes. So is, is, so is it that, that let's first let's first be detail the hadith. I don't know the hadith. Anyone quickly finish the hadith? Mu'ad ibn Jabal. Okay. So I told you, Yani, no one breaks the salah. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I just said it right now. Okay. Let's just finish the hadith. Prophet would pray Isha in Masjid Nabawi. Mu'ad ibn Jabal would pray with him. When he would pray, the people, his people are young and they are new to the Deen and they need some leadership. And so what he agreed is that I would go back yani, to the, the local masjid and I will lead them. That's the fart for him there. This is nafal for him there. And the other people who pray behind him, it's their fart. And he would do that as a service. Remember, Mu'ad also, a specialist in da'wah. He sent him to Yemen. Specialist in knowledge. He was the most knowledgeable about the halal haram. Expert in the Quran. So he's the guy to go and do this kind of thing. However, out of his zeal, Okay, out of his enthusiasm, he recited one particular Isha prayer very long. In fact, it was uh, Surah Al-Baqarah. So there's one guy, Miskeen, he's praying behind him. He goes, what's happening here? <laughs> so basically, is that enough? So he departs from the prayer. Departs from the prayer in that he becomes a... Uh, 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 the prayer is broken. There's no doubt. As soon as he, he becomes a munfarid, right... He's broken from the jama'ah. He hasn't broken his prayer. And he completes his prayer as an individual. When he did that, and Mu'adh then later found out, he became very angry and he said, قَدْ نَافَقْ This is a hypocrite. This guy has committed hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, And obviously hypocrisy is a major thing. And by that he meant that he's left the jama'ah of the Muslims. Because the jama'ah is also a very uh, uh, strong... uh, Are you kidding me, Shaz? Sorry. My guy's on BBC News, yeah, and whatever, it brings up the whole thing. <laughs> Are you absolutely kidding me? But that boring you that much? 
close that sport thingy right now. <laughs> the heck are you playing at? Lani Gassam. Lani Gassam. Oh, shut up. That's a ban. That's a ban. No indications, no intimations. All right. No, don't dare say anything about scores. All right. Okay. Where were we talking about? One second, one second, one second. We're still in the middle of the hadith. Let me just finish the hadith. Let me just finish the hadith, ya walad. So, Mu'adh said, Qad nafaq. This person, because the jama'ah, the salah, as I said before, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago as well. Yani, you know, Fajr is an institution. It's more than just a salah. It establishes deen. It establishes a person's direction for the day. It puts them in a category as well. Remember I said that? And that's in our time. Back then, it's more than that. The jama'ah is something very politicized as well. Normally, the imam of the Muslims is the one who's leading the salah. Imagine that as well. The jama'ah is something very big. So you break the jama'ah. It's like, you know, who else would do that other than a hypocrite? So he said, God nafaq. And this guy took it a bad way as well. Right? Radiallahu an. So he went to the Prophet ﷺ. He said, Ya Rasulullah. They said, I, um, this is what I did. And to be honest, this is exactly what happened. And the Prophet ﷺ became very angry. And he called Mu'av. And he said to Mu'av, in this, the famous riwayah is, Afatan anta ya Mu'av. Okay, Do you want to become a fatan? Mu'ad, you want to put, put people in under fitna? You're causing fitna? Fitna, of course, is trialing them, you know, because you put making them pray so long, they don't understand, they're not in the zone, it's, they ain't got time, they're new to the religion, you're knocking out baqarah, you know what I'm saying? Man's going to get like, what's happening there, right? So, um, and that's a fitna in that person's deen, they might start, you know, getting turned off. And so he reprimanded him, he didn't say anything to the guy which therefore does what? it certifies the validity of the guy's actions do you understand? that's the hadith in its entirety so what we now know is that this companion he did this for this reason but there's a number of caveats that we need to discuss about this hadith because otherwise then people would say yeah I went to the masjid man the guy was reading can you believe he recited unbelievable yeah, I mean, I was having none of that, so you know what I did. I walked out on that guy, right? So there are some yani caveats that we need to make sure that we uh, meet. It has to be tatwila shari. The length or the elongation has to be a shari elongation, not your hawa elongation, not your yani. I wish I pray, I pray that you know, you know that it goes short. I'm gonna tell you a little story here. So it was this year's Hajj. Oh yeah, Ajmal, yeah. yeah. Bashar and uh, Zafar is there. So it was on Friday. I, I sent you the recording I, straight after. Obviously, who, did you guys do the Friday uh, 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 Hajj al-Thingi? Tawaf uh, al Did you? No, so why, why was you not with me? Did you come before or after? You didn't. You and mum and uh, Thingy stayed behind. Anyway, the point was is that we went for the big one. The big one basically is the nutter one, yani. The nut one is to try to knock out Al-Fadha on the, uh, hajj, the main Hajj Tawaf on the day of Hajj itself, which is a mission because 
you've just walked like 10 miles, right? And, and it just so happened it was Jum'ah as well. And you're fearing the worst because more crowds and then, you know, you're dead anyway. Not slept the night before. And then you've got khutbah to be tortured in. And then you've got, yani, you know what I'm saying? So there I am. I'm making dua. I'm a Ya Rab, make this Imam do a really short yani, khutbah. Really short, please. Because the normal khutbah is half an hour. And it's already like 50 degrees. Yani, you're dying anyway. Sah? So I'm praying, praying. Guy smacks it out, I think, in six, seven minutes. I couldn't believe it. I was like literally about to start crying. Then I thought maybe the guy's going to sting us with the whole, the sunnah, of course, is to yani, speak short and pray long. This is the hadith in Sahih Muslim. The, fiqh, the, the Prophet ﷺ said that from the fiqh of a person is that he shortens his speech and he elongates his prayer, which is actually what you want every time, except on the day of Hajj when you're doing Hajj and dying. So I said, you know, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, help me with this one. Because I, I was gone, by the way. I was on the floor. I couldn't even stand up. My legs were gone. I was dead. All right? My guy, my guy, he prayed the two raka'ah, I think, in three minutes. I think in the first time in the history of my life I've ever seen that. He prayed the shortest prayer I have ever seen. It was al-kawthar and al-ikhlas. And he banged it. It wasn't like he did long, long, he longed it out. He banged it out. A guy will laugh. I made dua for him for Jannah. I made dua for him. I made dua for him. I made dua for him. I, made dua for him. I don't know how many duas I made for that guy. I still have no idea which the, who the Imam was. One of the random ones. Sick guy. Sick guy, you know? Anyway, so I'm saying that, you know, it's not right that that guy. Now, I'm just saying, if that guy started busting out on my Tisa'ulun or Washim haha, you know, I could have walked. But that's my Hawa. That would not have been a valid. You know what I'm trying to say? So we've got to... And there needs to be a bit of knowledge involved. You do need to know that there are actual sunnah lengths to the prayer. So we do know, for example, that the Prophet ﷺ in Jum'ah always, nearly always, recited Al-A'la and Al-Ghashia. Al-A'la and Hadith Al-Ghashia. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ would often repeat Surah Al-Teen in Surah Al-Maghrib. In Surah Al-Maghrib. And Surah Zalzala in Salatul Isha and he would also recite some of Thur in Al-Maghrib and he would recite Al-Buruj for example in Dhuhr and in Asr and we know that his longest Salah was easily Fajr and it was very rarely short so long here by the way does not mean more than a couple of pages do you understand what I'm saying? all of the Prophet's Baqarah and Nisa and this and that they all come in his Tahajjud prayers he doesn't do that to the people in the obligatory prayers and the Prophet ﷺ advised the people in that way as well because he said that amongst you are people who are old and have things to do. And, and the hadith that you all know, that he shortened the prayer. He said, I heard the baby crying. I didn't want to distress the mother. Not even the baby. It's the mother I didn't want to distress. So there is a sunnah to keeping the prayer within bounds. But I want you to know that a couple of pages is not long. All right? But if a person goes on something, I mean, I've, uh, the, the only time that I've really... I mean, that was an extreme scenario. The only time that I... Uh, uh, um, I don't want to name and shame. But the only time that I really felt like what on earth is happening here is in Makki Masjid one time. 90s we're talking about. It was about 25 years ago. I can't, I can't forget it. And I remember the imam. I'm not going to say his name. And it was Salatul Fajr. And it was an early one those days. It was like early. Yeah. Uh, early meaning 25 years meant it's like summertime, isn't it? 30 years ago, kind of. Yep. Yeah. And it was 
I can't remember. Was it Surah Furqan? No. What surah was it? Wait. It was much longer than Furqan. How many pages is Furqan? Like eight. Seven. Seven. Uh, no, much longer than that. Um, Father, how long is Father? No, it wasn't that. What was it? Oh, sugar. I don't know. It's got to be about 12 pages. That he recited in the first raka'ah. I was like, I was like, what is happening here, bro? You know? Yeah, Fajr. Um, to be honest, when he was the imam, okay, regular, he would read, he would read long. The people knew it. And the truth of the, of the matter is that also, even though there was elderly there, pretty much everyone, you know, you got messages where people are very practicing versus masajid where the people aren't so practicing, but they come every prayer. Because, you know, practicing is a different definition. I already told you that, yeah? So Makki is definitely a practicing crowd. You know, everyone were kind of fans of qira'ah and, you know, want long... Th- so they didn't complain too much. But that was a killer. I remember being in that salah thinking, what do I do here now? Because I was, I was smashed. I was smashed. And I was thinking, should I, should I not? Anyway, so uh, what's the conclusion? It is permissible for you to leave... Um, uh, 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 thingy. But if it's short, then it's not allowed. If it's short, it's not allowed at all. Sorry now, Islam, yes. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, 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 sorry. I, I just wanted to complete the hadith, yeah. No, I just wanted to know, I mean, you said that they left the prayer early, didn't leave the prayer, sorry. They broke from the jama'ah. That's correct. So they continued the salah. They can, their own. To speed up the salah, so they finished And walked off. Because of an emergency. Uh, uh, no, no, because of a reason. And now we're going through the reasons. What's reason number one? Huh? Nope. Length of the of the of the prayer. That's the first reason. Okay? This is not an emergency. So what's the shari'i long prayer? That's why I just said it's got to be more than a couple of pages. You can't I can't say to you it's that because people's recitation differs, people recite fast, people recite long. No, 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 don't be saying that because that's not, that's not in the sunnah to say in minutes. No, 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 I don't know. Someone's a hadith mentioned Rasulullah Sallam saying, like, you know, uh, it would be better for you to be Sutul A'la to the Shams. Yeah. Some of the hadith mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. So I want you to know, I know that people kind of associate, you know, a big problem with this, but basically, a page is your rough kind of, you know, your, your, your rough area, one, two pages. Okay, you know, that, that, that's what, and you might double that for Fajr. But your page is roughly where you're at, one to two pages in a rakah or half a page. You don't start knocking out fours and sixes and eights. You get what I'm saying? That's where it's starting to get out of control. Yeah? Unless it's been set up in a very specific way where there's an audience and they go together. Like a retreat, for example, where you want to pray longer and everyone is very comfortable doing that and everyone's in good health and you know you haven't eaten or people not feeling sick and people are not tired etc 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 okay um, so you know just, he, he does make the point he, uh, he, there's no way that the sunnah is going to give you figures but Sheikh Uthameen at the top of page 312 he says it's impossible that you apply this rule to a imam who prays short and sweet you can't apply it so it's got to be yeah anything so the point I want to make is is that it is with excuse that you can leave the prayer. What are those excuses? We're now listing them. All right? Not emergency yet. We haven't come to emergency. So the first one is that the length of the prayer becomes ridiculous. Out of what it should be. Because 
Me going to work is not an emergency. Or me going home. Or me feeling tired. These are not emergencies. This is him taking liberties now. Taking the thing out of his bounds. Another one would be if you're sick. If a person يعني, wants to vomit. Okay. Uh, he is not able to... He doesn't think he can be able to you know, take it all the way to the end. Then he is able to... This is the phrase. So then he changes his intention to a single. He makes the prayer lighter. This is takhfif, meaning quick. And then he, off he goes. Another one, uh, IBS. I've called it IBS. He said ghazat, yani. Okay? Gas. Right? But it's basically IBS. Or, you know, he has some kind of flatulence issue. But IBS is the best kind of overarching uh, example. Same, he feels it really bad. He knows that yani, the situation is yani, uncomfortable. I can't hold it. I'm going to uh, 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 feel sick, etc., etc., and so on. So he can leave. Likewise, a person, he cannot hold his toilet, for example. Either number one or number two, he feels that it's an emergency, that it is allowed for him to leave the prayer. These are examples of leaving the prayer. Lakin. However, the Sheikh says, however, if he will not benefit in any way from leaving the jama'ah to solve his problem, it's not permissible for him to do so. So for example, if he didn't have work or recitation was not a problem or he doesn't, or finishing, uh, the, the classic example would be in this masjid, classic example, would be, I need to break the prayer, but his car is parked behind everyone else's. So what's the point of you breaking the prayer? You get what I'm saying? You have to have a clear benefit to what you want to do. So if it's to go, and you've parked your car, and you can't leave, then you might as well continue with the email. Does that make sense? There's got to be a clear uh, 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 thingy. All right? Uh, what else is the? This is the thing that we discussed last week. Another example of a, a, an excuse. Those were physical excuses. Now, what what Sheikh Uthameen classes as a shari excuse, something I don't like, but Sheikh Uthameen calls it a a, 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 a legislated excuse, Islamic legislated excuse, and that is if you are praying less rakaat than the imam. So he gives the example of a person who hasn't prayed maghrib. And he arrives with the jama'ah. You know, we spoke about this. So he's a musafir, all right? He comes back home. It's salah time. He looks at the clock, right? You've just come back home from Scotland or from London or from Birmingham. You're coming back from work. You look at the time. You didn't pray maghrib because, you know, your musafir is maghrib's on the way. It's covered. I'll get home and I'll pray with Isha. So you look at the time. It's 10 to 8. Let me make a diversion to the masjid. I'm in the car close by. You walk in. 8 o'clock. Iqama goes. What are you going to do now? You haven't prayed your maghrib. So most people, well, I don't know about most people, but what you would do theoretically is to join the jama'ah. Now the problem here is that you need to pray maghrib. You can't pray isha because you've got to keep prayers in order. So you need to pray maghrib. And he started isha. And Sheikh Uthameen is saying that in this scenario, you can change from al, uh, the mu'tam, yani someone who is a follower, to a single praying person. At what point? At the point when they basically stand up for the third rakah. So as soon as they stand up for the third rakah, you are now leaving them. And you stay seated, 
and then you give the salam. And then you have now the choice of what to do. You either now go and pray by yourself, or if you've got time, you stand up, and then you start your first raka'ah with the imam, who still might be in salah. Yeah, when they stand up for the fourth, or whenever you catch them, okay? If you can catch them. And then you then stand up afterwards, and you complete your isha prayer. Understood? This is the position. I have to say, I hate this position with a passion. I, I always have. However, I want you to know that this is the position of uh, not just Sheikh Uthameen, but I will say to you, he goes, he does say, that, that based, upon, uh, based upon the position that this is permissible. So he himself knows that there's a big difference of opinion about it and that people don't believe that it's permissible, which is the vast majority. But he's saying that according to those that hold it to be permissible, then this is what a person would do. He would then sit down and then he would finish his prayer and then he would stand up and then join the Isha, whatever. Sheikh Uthameen took this position. Sheikh Al-Albani very famously took this position. And the surprising thing is that this is also the position of Ibn Taymiyyah as well. This is the position of Ibn Taymiyyah as well. Now, um, and also, this is a riwayah from Imam Ahmed. It is a singular narration from Imam Ahmed as well. As you know, that's to be expected. We have these contradicting riwayat from Imam Ahmed. Okay. Um, Sheikh Uthameen says, this is what Ibn Taymiyyah said, alayhi rahmatullah, and it is the correct position. Wahuwa al-haq, he says. And he goes here, what you've got to understand is that the excuse here, the category of excuse is not the normal category. This is Udr Shari. لِأَنَّهُ لَوْ قَامَ مَعَ الْإِمَامِ فِي الرَّابِعَ لَبَطَلَتْ صَلَاتُهُ Now that point is fair. If he is copying from Ibn Taymiyyah, then he's got that right. He's basically saying, because if he was to stand up at that moment, yeah, then what would happen? His prayer becomes invalid because he had a three rak'ah maghrib that turned into four, which is invalid automatically. So therefore, his argument is that because you're in that position now, you've got a legislated excuse to become an individual. Now, I accept that part. What I don't accept and I don't allow either, by the way, is for you to join that prayer. You get the point? Now, if you were in that prayer, okay, it's one of the options for you to take because it's a common sense uh, option. As rubbish as the next one. It's as rubbish as any other, any other position. Because what's the other position? Once you've started, okay? Once you've started, then it's all a mess after that. Because you either get up, or sorry, you either sit down, or you complete with the imam, and then just cancel it off, and then pray your three prayers again. Or, 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 it's all oars. They're all, yani, poor. So, I just want you to know that his example is a good one. It is a position. Um, and if you ask me, therefore, what should you do? Then I've, told, I've said this story a number of times, but I don't think I've said it in LP. No. I have, yeah? A dedu? Yeah. Did I tell you the story behind it? That I got this ruling from a dedu? No? So everyone know who a dedu is? He is obviously, you know, he's up there, number one. My... In my opinion, the greatest scholar is at the moment, and certainly in fiqh anyway. And, you know, he's, he's the champ. Anyway, this alim, he was teaching uh, a course in usul al-fiqh in Muntada in the 90s. 
And uh, obviously, you know, he, when he when you hear that he's, that he's down in town, that's it. Khalas, yani, you're going down. So we went there. Well, what's happening in London? I might actually been living in London, I think, a year out or something. Yeah. So I was, so I went there and I attended that <laughs> class. And obviously I was like, you know, this is it. I was completely stars in your eyes behavior. So there was two things that I did. One, I, a question I, I obviously, you know, when you, meet, when you meet a scholar, you prepare to meet a scholar. You don't just say any, you know, fangirl. You've got to make benefit out of it, isn't it? So you gather your questions that you know are very important for the big people and you prepare so you don't you know, ask some lame question where he just slaps you on. You ask a proper question that you know you can't get anywhere else and you ask your little kind of uh, favor. So my question, I thought, 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 what's the one question I can't answer, I can't get answered and I'm having trouble with it? And it was this question. I said, Sheikh, what's your opinion on the person who has not prayed Maghrib or Isha and he comes to the masjid for Isha? He turned around and he goes to me, there are seven positions on this matter. This is the way just off the top of the head, off his head. Seven positions. Dash, 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 dash. I was like, what the heck's happening here, man? <laughs> he goes, the Maliki said this, Shafi said that, this is this, this is this, that is that. I said, okay, Sheikh, and your opinion? You guys think the Maliki's opinion is good. And to be honest, I'm not just saying this because I'm saying this, but when I heard the Maliki position when he said it, I go, that's my one. And then he said the Maliki position is good. And I've always, I've always done that. Okay, uh, in a nutshell, because I can't remember, and I just need to make some revision of the masala because I haven't since then. But uh, um, most of them were either don't don't quote me on who they belong to. I'll tell you the different opinions. One, which is the best of all, safest of all, don't even go. Okay, so just go home. End of story. Tia. The second is that you pray outside. That's the Maliki position, and it's very easy because. All of the masajid, as you will see, the style of the masajid in the Maliki lands, Andalusia, Maghrib, whatever, they all have the uh, uh, courtyard, they have a, you know, the, the wudu area in the middle of the courtyard, you know, that kind of scene, you, you know what I mean? Water fountain, everyone sits around, make wudu, it's open area, then you enter into the, uh, you know, the, the hall, and so it's very easy, a lot of people are, like Pakistan, you know, all, all the masajid Muslim countries, they have, uh, other than the Gulf countries, but the, the, you know, the majority of mosques, they have this area outside for you to pray your sunnah or nafal or tahit al-masjid or whatever it is. So you, what you would do is that the jama'ah is going on. Because we've got a problem here because there's no two jama'ahs at the same time, right? So what, what, what's the significance? The significance is that you're not in the mosque, quote-unquote. You're like outside, outside. And so you pray your three rakah super quick and then you join the jama'ah. And then the third opinion is that you pray Isha with them and then you go and you write it off as a nafal, then you pray Maghrib and Isha. And then there was one opinion which is that the order of the prayer is not obligatory, so you pray, you make the niya for Isha, then you pray Maghrib afterwards. And you've completed both prayers but not in order because the order is not necessary, which is an incredibly weak position. And then there's another one where you pray with them the Isha and it's considered to be a fard. And then you pray the, th- the two again in order and then they change it from, yeah, and it, this, this kind of stuff. And then you got this position. You got this one. Join them, sit down, after three, finish off, then join whatever. And that's what Sheikh Albani uh, chose as his position. I never knew it was a narration from, the, uh, from Ibn Taymiyyah. Never ever knew until a little while ago. So uh, there you go. Anyway, the, 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 the story is that, uh, so he, he told me all that, you know, like in about 20, 10 seconds. Da, 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 da. So obviously I'm trying to work out. And then I said, listen, I'd love to go and study uh, in your hometown, which is like a little village in Mauritania. Any, any hookups or whatever, whatnot. 
he goes, uh, okay, let me write down an address for you, go there. So it was one of those kind of classic moments, right? Address, thingy, pen, paper, how, what, who. So, you know, there's no phones at that time. Oh, did I have a phone? No, I don't even think I had a phone. No, I don't think I had a phone. So, grabbed a pen of someone, grabbed a piece of paper of someone, super quick, yeah, and you panic, yeah, on your stage. Now, where are you going to, you can't write on a piece of paper, like, whatever. So, I did the gentleman thing, I turned around. I said, Sheikh, write on my back. So, he put the paper on my back like this, and he wrote the address of his house and the phone number that I was to call when I got to the airport. Like, I love on that, like, proper, you know, I went in proper blind, like in the movies, you know what I'm saying? Thinking that you can just get a slip of paper and find anyone. So, so then I and so I, I went. I went to. I, I went. Got a visa to go to Mauritania, and I arrived at the airport and I showed this guy the the thingy, the um. And I, I had no idea who'd be there, who wouldn't be there, what I'm going into, how long I'm going to, not whatever. I showed the guy the uh, address, and uh, remember, it's Subhanallah. It is Al Bayt Al Sheikh Muhammad Al Hassan. Jambal Masjid al-Saudi. That's literally Nawakshot. That is literally the address. The house of Muhammad bin Hassan al-Dado in the city of Nawakshot next to the Saudi Masjid. That's the address. Alhamdulillah, there's only one Saudi Masjid. So he took me to the Saudi Masjid, went to the house, and when I went inside, obviously I was panicked, thinking, what's going to happen here? And um, for, the, for the kids or, and Shaz, uh, you know my Timberland bag? My my everyone knows like I have a Timberland suitcase thing, okay, which is a roller one, and I uh, I I packed in such a quick way that I didn't plan properly, and when I got to the airport, it was all a mess basically that I didn't you know understand I wasn't experienced in travel, and I couldn't fit anything in, so I had to buy a bag in the airport, and obviously you get stung that way, isn't it? And so I went to the the Timberland shop. And uh, it was Heathrow, and they had the Timberland shop outside. So I, I, I bought for 100 quid. A h- back then, bro, okay? 100 quid, I bought this Timberland bag. That Timberland bag is my main bag 25 years later, by the way. I use that bag. You guys know how much I travel. I fly out like every couple of weeks. And I'm telling you, that bag has taken abuse. <laughs> you know, books stamped in there, like, you know... And all over deserts and rocks and mountains and whatever, whatnot. That, that, that hundred quid, I swear to you, you know, today you could not pay 500 quid for that bag. But anyway, I just want you to know that bag was bought on that journey. And so then I went with that uh, thingy. Uh, I went into the, 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 that house. And what I noticed that there was lots of young lads there Annie, that were just sitting around. And I realized that basically this is like a holding house, you know, like out of the films, right? Where everyone just basically just sits around. And they sleep for the night. And then basically next morning, this Jeep turns up. Yeah, and they pick up truck. Okay, custom is exactly as it is. And they go, everyone, everyone, jump on. You know, like migrant workers kind of behavior. Okay, so we just jumped onto the back. Takala Allah, wherever we're going. Obviously, my Arabic was duty forty kind of Arabic as well. So the guy takes us on two, three hours journey into the middle of the desert. And that was the, the mahdara, the madrasa that was in the middle that was run. Sheikh Muhammad Hassan's uncle, Sheikh Muhammad Salim al Adud, alayhi rahmatullah. And that is where uh, the uh, place was that, uh, that, uh, uh, that he was referring to. So all of that happened. Every time I had someone asked me this question, all of that comes out. Um, so let's now just ma- make sure that, uh, oh, sugar. I just got custom. I said, You've already told us a story in LP. Yeah. You lot are rubbish, man. 
You lot are all rubbish. You're my best team, man. You get so excited when you say it. Well, uh, I get excited, yara. That's my journey coming there, yara. honestly. Yara. It's a nice story. It is, well, it was nice to me anyway. I, I don't know, anyway. I don't know. So, uh, uh, Hamza is saying, how about waiting for the Imam leading Isha? This is also the uh, uh, other opinion, by the way. Well done, Hamza. That was one of the other opinions. You know, I said there's like eight, seven, nine, whatever he said. One of the opinions was that you know that he's started Isha, but you don't join. You let them pray one raka'ah and then you join. You get what I'm saying? And therefore, you're going to start one raka'ah late and you'll finish with the imam. Now, obviously, these two opinions, okay, these two here, start early and leave early or start late and finish with him, okay? Um, the real problem with this is that it goes directly against the hadith of the imam has been positioned to be followed. Ju'il al-imam and And that's why they are seen as minority positions. And I have to say, class position, I don't accept this as an excuse. But I will say that if, for example, you did join the Jama'ah for whatever reason, sometimes, you know, you walk into Masjid, you're not even sure. You're not even, you know, you know what's going on. Suddenly you realize, oh my goodness, then I think it's acceptable to go with it. Because, yani, once Mujtahid has given fatwa upon it, it's not invalid fatwa. You follow the, the ruling and that's it. You don't need to repeat the prayer. The difficult one is when they do Mother of Isha here now, and then you walk in and Oh, sorry. Exactly. Well said. That's actually a very common scenario. Like in this masjid now, they've started this bid'ah of, of Maghrib and Isha combining, like Disbury been doing, like Leeds. Yes, you know, in the summer months, in uh, June, July, August, where because the Isha starts very late, they'll pray Maghrib and Isha together. So if you were to come to the Masjid at Maghrib time and you were just five minutes late, very possible that you're actually joining Isha. I mean, in here, we've banned them. There was a big fight in this Masjid. Yeah, let me maybe make it very clear. There was yani, a big fitna over this and because they would refuse to leave the Jama'ah, they wanted to pray right here. So we said that no. And it's, to be honest, it's, it's an absurd position. Because if a person wants to do it, they should pray at home and it's not a problem. The fatwa is sound. For a person who's dying, yani, okay, you can't stay up, wake another half, an hour and a half, no problem. Pray at home, combine it. But this is a masjid. And it's, it, it's, it's, it, it, it's unacceptable to change the shekel of the, of the masjid. And in the compromise, it's not a compromise, but they, they basically you know, forced it through because you know, liberals and democracy and all that was, yeah? So is that they pray at the front room. They pray in the front room so that people can't, won't get confused. If you're coming into the masjid, there's no confusion. But there is, in Didsbury, they don't do that. The Didsbury, the Imam himself is obviously leading both prayers. So if you arrive five minutes late, you're thinking that you're here for Maghrib, at Maghrib time, actually they finished Maghrib already, they've cited Isha. So in that scenario, I think it's possible for you to utilize this fatwa. You understand what I'm trying to say? If you are in a scenario where suddenly the Imam sits down after, uh, sorry, he stands up after three rak'ah, you've clocked on, oh my days, this guy is praying Isha. I think it's permissible for you at that moment to stay seated, finish off your maghrib, then stand up and join him. I think that's okay. All right. So then, if you if you're a traveller, yes. For example, if you just come into the masjid and you don't realize, oh yeah, and you don't know what's going on. Absolutely, correct. Another, yeah, and and you've messed up your prayer. And that's where we've got to say that the imam of a masjid has a responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Bigger than just, the, you know, this guy, there's a wider picture he's got to look at. Um, so, uh, uh, let's just make sure that we're not losing touch because I don't like this idea of taking questions at the end that were about things at the beginning. So, go to the bottom, bottom. All right, so there's no questions there. Okay, can, a fo- can, can becoming a follower, but very, oh yeah, yeah, that's she's answering, yeah. 
Um, uh, rah. Enjoying your Kansas burger. Rah. What about ladies who are praying with the jama'ah in a mosque or a musallah? Alright, this is a good one as well. Alright? And the mic stops working or there is no mic and they're relying on whatever they can hear and because they can't see, they end up in the wrong stage. Okay? So that's very common. Alright? And I, I just want... I, this is not the section for this, okay? But I'm going to answer this now because it is important that women know that there are two positions on this and I have a preferred one that you should follow. So the two positions is that everyone then breaks... Uh, everyone breaks from al-i'timam to al-infirad and continues their prayer by themselves or they appoint themselves a sister or a sister appoints herself, someone who knows the game, moves forward and she continues from where the situation went all a bit messed up and they finish. So they started with my guy, they finish with my girl. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. These are the two positions. I do not like that second one. The first one is what I tell all students. That when that happens, when the volume goes, when the mic goes, whatever, whatnot. I'm also saying that don't even be these kind of, you know, these uh, naive type of kind of girls who are like, oh, it will come back. You know, there's hope. There's no hope. Once that thing's gone, that the game's over, khalas. Because it does come back. You get it a, a lot, but then you got, you know, people doing this, that, whatever. People don't know, people looking at it. You know what? You get Sack them lot, man. They can't sweat out the mic. They don't deserve anything. So once, once it's gone, once it goes off, good luck to them. And just break your uh, 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 following status, change your niya, that I'm now praying alone, complete the prayer. Good question, well done. Um, to the top, Shaz. Oh, oh. Uh, what can you do if the person leading the prayer is too fast and you can't even manage to complete Surah Al-Fatiha? At each stage seems to be too rapid. Okay, get it? All right? So, so fast. This is not permissible to leave the prayer. It's not permissible to leave the prayer. Okay? If a person is not praying, then it's permissible for you to leave the prayer. Yani, what I mean by not praying? He's not fulfilling the conditions of the prayer. If he's not saying Fatiha at all, okay, or he's saying it wrong, then he's not fulfilling, the, he's not even praying. But that call is not an emotional call for you to make. It's a legal call that a scholar's got to make. Because a lot of people cuss, you know, the folks that You know, people get upset at that. But he's actually saying everything that needs to be said. It's disgusting to listen to. But if it's legally there, you don't have the legal excuse to break. Does that make sense? Okay? What you, don't, what you do have is the right to say, I'm never going to come to this masjid again. But you can't have the legal excuse for a person who did that to then break the prayer. Alright? Um... Would it be correct to say that a musafir imam can't change his intention from two raka'ah to four raka'ah during the prayer because he realizes a lot of non-travelers have started the prayer behind him? That's a really good question. So, you, you know, there's a couple of you, you're all musafir. You're in the masjid, you go forward, I'm leading, okay, let's, go, let's pray duhar, guys. So you pray two raka'ah, okay? And suddenly, like, 50 people walk in. And you just get the feeling that they're the locals. Alright? They're, oh, they're all Uncle G's. Yeah? You see some kind of flex, you know, you think whatever. So now you think if you do two, it's going to look messed up and there's going to be arguments and why are you leading the prayer? Why are you at the front? You know, all that politics. So just change it to four and keep everyone happy. I don't know is the answer to that. I think it's a great question. What do you think, folks? 
what are the issues that we've covered that we can give a clue to this? So we've said that there are certain there are certain changes that can happen and certain changes that can't. Yes? In a fard prayer. What are the examples that we said? We said that a person can change from a fard to a nafal. Alright? But we said a person can't change from a fard to a fard. What we did say though is that, uh, that the expression of the salah can change. We said that last week, right? So what was that an example of? We said that, what was that me giving, what was I explaining? What, what, what is it permissible to do? Because it's just changing the expression, not the actual niyyah of the prayer. What was the change? Someone praying on their own and then Jamaah comes in and then you change to a follower. أن ينوي المنفرد الاعتمام لأن الاختلاف من هنا الاختلاف الصفة من صفات النية فقد yeah so for example if a person is praying by themselves and then he becomes a follower this is not a change in the niya Sheikh Uthameen said this is allowed Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti said absolutely no way the Hanbali said no way Muhajjawi said no way the majority said no way Sheikh Uthameen said, no, it's not really a change. Because the niyyah has not changed. That he's still praying dhuhr prayer. He was praying it obligatory by himself. Then people joined, uh, created a jama'ah. So he just changed his niyyah to join them. So it's basically, his niyyah for the salah has not changed, but some expression has changed. So even that was controversial. If you change from two to four... Have you, how much have you actually changed? You haven't, prayed, you haven't changed the legality of the, of the act. It's a fard. You haven't changed the specific type of fard. It's dhuhr. You've changed the actual uh, raka'at in number. So what's the, what's the difference between that maghrib and the isha'ah? What? Maghrib, he goes, okay, four. No, no. You know why? You hear what Shazad said? He goes, if you're going to allow that, if I'm going to allow it, I didn't allow it, by the way. What kind of attack was that? <laughs> and, uh, I was opening the door, yeah, all right. I wasn't even opening the door. I was actually just, I put the chain on, I was looking. <laughs> I even said, what do you guys reckon? But he's got a good question. He goes, well, hold on. Yani, you know, how can you allow that? And you're saying that the Maghrib, the three to four can't happen. What's the answer there? Anyone know the answer? That's one obvious response because you know you're changing between a prayer not between two prayers there is no concession for maghrib it's three mm-hmm. whereas for Dohar, you can't go from excellent that is the answer the prophet Aisha radiallahu anha in the hadith she said all of the prayers when they were initially legislated were two, two raka'ah except maghrib it's always been three maghrib has always been three so the two to four four to two thing its flexibility is why I hesitate in saying this is not allowed I don't have the confidence to say it's allowed. But yani, in, my, yani, in myself, I want to say to you, even though I, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to say with certainty, whatever, but I want to say to you that to change within the same prayer, the units because of a shari reason, I think there could be space. I don't want to say it's allowed, but I think it's a great question to ask a senior scholar. And inshallah I will. Inshallah, well, once I come across some good scholars, I'll, I'll put this to them to have a debate on it. Yeah. If he's leading the salah for the musafir, for yeah. the musafir, so either he will confuse them or the people who. No, no, no one's going to get confused from the musafirin. 
They're just going to say, man, the guy forgot his musafir. That's what he's going to say. <laughs> or he bottled it. Or he bottled it. <laughs> and they'll understand why I bottled it. Because they'll ask me, what happened, man? And then I'll say, come on, bro. And then that's all right then. No biggie. You know what I'm saying? If it's enough. Is it just that? There's a lot of flexibility. I think I told you about this. You know, there's, a very, there's another issue. Like, you know, there, there's so many issues about this that are controversial. I, I mean, we shouldn't be getting into this now. But like a person who is musafir, yes, everyone knows. If you're a musafir and you pray behind an imam who's local, what do you do? You pray the local prayer of the imam. Alright, that's straightforward. That's because everyone's assuming that you arrived with the imam. What if you arrive halfway? Isha, you're a musafir. You walk in whilst he stands up from sitting down. Okay, tashahud. So he's got two raka'ah left. What are you all doing? Perfect timing. <laughs> okay? What are you all going to do? What are you all going to do? You're going to pray four. You're going to pray two with him. You're going to stand back up. Sah? Is there anyone who's not going to do that? Right? And that's because we've been taught that. That's because it's the vast majority position. However, there is a position. And Sheikh Walid Basuni, he's hardcore on this position. To the extent that he, me and him have argued until shouting at each other. Okay? About this particular issue. He, is, he refuses to do anything else. He would even intend to come at halfway stage and he'll end with the imam. He goes, I don't care about the imam. I've got two rakat to pray. Two is obligatory upon me. My guy's praying Isha. I'm praying Isha. Job's a good one. Now logically speaking, it's not actually easy to refute the argument. Because even our argument is not direct text. It's understanding of the text that the imam is to be followed. The problem with this hadith of the imam is to be followed is that there's too many caveats to maintain. What does it mean? If the imam doesn't do rafa yadain, do you, do, do you not do rafa yadain? If the imam does a jalsatul istiraha, which is to sit down briefly before he stands back up again, do you do that or not do that? In the case, many of us don't do these things, right? We vary between the things that we choose. You get what I'm saying? And so... Um, there are caveats. No one really follows an imam entirely, entirely. Scholars spoke about this. It, the hadith does not mean that. It means you can do individual sunnah aspects that you differ on, but the key structural things got to be followed. Well, if that's the case, then, then you really shouldn't be then praying two raka'ah behind a man who's praying four. <laughs> Sheikh Walid's argument is going to be, how do you even know what my man's praying? His, I'm not going to lie. He's got an argument. How do you know that the imam is even a local? What if he's a musafir? That's what his argument would be. How do you know anything? And there's another precedent for this as well. Like Salatul Witr. I've spoken about this before. When you're praying your Salatul Witr behind an imam in Taraweeh, what's your intention? I think we spoke about this in, when I was speaking about verbal niyyah, right? You know when you marry a teen rakat, you know, how do you know what type of teen rakat is, is, you know, my man's going to pray? Because he could decide to sit for all three. He could decide to break off two and then do one. He could decide to pray one. He could decide to pray five, all in one go. These are all valid ways. So I want to know, what was your intention at the beginning? Your intention was, I'm praying with her behind this imam, sah? Whatever he decides to rock, yeah, and we're going with it. That's got to be the sunnah position. It makes complete common sense, whatever. So his argument would be, would say, why can't you now apply this 
to the jama'ah. Meaning that when I come into the masjid, I'm not having to second guess, is he this, is he that, is he instead. I'm just going to pray with the imam. I don't know whether he was local. I don't, like, I'll give you another example. Isha and Maghrib is easy. So let me make it difficult. Let's say Dhuhr prayer. Dhuhr prayer, he's leading four raka'ah Dhuhr prayer, the imam. You walk in. You look at the time. One o'clock jama'ah, it says. You look at the time, it's four minutes past. Four minutes past. At four minutes past, you're always looking at a standing imam thinking, hmm, which unit are you in, bro? <laughs> Judgment call, isn't it? By the way, I just looked at you and I felt sorry for you. You'll never have that feeling of looking at that imam and thinking, hmm, what are you in, bro? But just imagine that you could. That's bad. What a zulm that is. Proper zulm, yani, all these barriers, bakwas, man. Anyway, the new mission, inshallah, you'll have open thingy. Um, is it open at the top? Is it not a mezzanine? Have they not opened it in the design? Or is it closed? No, I think it is closed. Don't worry, we'll put a screen up for you at the front. You have a big, big screen, big TV. Don't worry, we'll, we'll kind of go to town. <laughs> so, you're looking at the Imam, you're not sure. Now, let's say that you're looking at him and you're thinking that he is in the first rakah still. In actual fact, he's in the third. You're Musafir. Now in Isha, you'd clock on because if he's standing, he should be reciting. If he's not reciting and standing, you know that he's in the third and fourth rakah. That's why I chose Dhuhr. Okay? So in Dhuhr, you've got no idea. Alright? And so then you join. You've got now no idea as a Musafir joining the guy who's praying, actually what unit he's in. He could be in first, second, third or fourth, number one. Number two, you also do not know for certain whether he's Musafir or local. And therefore, it could be an argument that a person comes in and he has the intention, I'm a musafir, I'm just praying my two rakah. And I don't know whether my imam is a local one or a thingy one, I don't know what rakah is and whatever. And if, he's, if I just do two rakah with him, great. And if, not, if it turns into three, then you know what, I'm going to stand up and make four. Yep, okay, that's obviously, then the guy's a local, I'm going to stand up. So his argument's got some sense. Our response would be that the vast majority say that you do what the imam does. You do take some sense. A musafir going to a local masjid always knows that the rules of the masjid is always a local person, local realities, local things. Because we know that there are different rules to local masajid versus traveler masajid, university places, airports. There you can assume what you want. But in local mosques, you're not assuming this kind of stuff. The imam al-ratib has a very high respected position. You get what I'm saying, yeah? So... Um, and with that, yeah, how, how long is the lesson? Oh, lesson's gone on. Take Rafia is saying, I did that recently. I just prayed two because I joined Dhuhr late. Rafia, you're saying that you are Musafir. That's basically, I'm thinking what you're saying. If I'm Musafir, I would pray two if he has already prayed two. No, wait, 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 wait. Let me just hold on. Just slow down. I just prayed too because I joined Dhuhr late. Rafi'a, if you are not Musafir and you joined Dhuhr late and you ended with the Imam, then correct, you need to praise four rakah Dhuhr again. 
That, that prayer itself wasn't valid. Mesa, if I am a musafir, I would pray too if he is already if he has already prayed too. No, no, that's Walid's position. Our position, the position of the majority, is that you pray four. If you know that the imam's local and he's only prayed two, you would then pray two and stand up and complete. Because behind an imam, you pray. But we'll come to that. We'll come to that. Would it be fine to just offer the two rakah of the traveler as he's asking? Yes, you are not obligated to join the jama'ah and you could go somewhere else, whatever. You shouldn't come to the masjid then. Okay? But yeah, it's permissible for you to pray uh, thingy. Rafi is saying, yes, I was musafir. And so in this position, what do we say to her? What do you think? She was musafir, she prayed two raka'ah with an imam and she didn't do anything extra. We say to her, your prayer was valid because that's what you thought was correct and it's a mujtahid opinion as well. It's a, it's a held opinion. It's not rejected opinion. So yeah, it's permissible. But I don't think that it is valid to follow. Now that a person studies the matter, now it's something very different. But to do that, it's, you can't say it's invalid. For women wanting to join a jama'ah that is happening, is it conditional for the imam to have the intention that he is leading women as well to be accepted for the jama'ah? The answer is no. There is no condition on the imam to be indicating I'm leading this many women, this many kids, this many... No, no, I'm just leading. That's it. I'm the imam. That's sufficient. Okay? The brothers lead the jama'ah, the sisters follow. That's absolutely fine. Okay. Um, just want to add one final statement, then we can then just close it. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Oh. Should we finish legal excuses completely? Yeah, because that, that, this is the last statement, isn't it? Okay. Listen, folks, focus, right? Let's just finish this off. So the first, he says, um, as for those people who don't have an excuse, those people who don't have an excuse. So the, the author has said, impossible for them to leave the prayer if you don't have an excuse. And that's the position of the madhab as well. And that's the position of the vast majority. There is a second opinion on the matter. They said that if you don't have an excuse, it, your prayer is not invalid. It's not invalidated. Your prayer is actually still valid. And Sheikh Uthameen says that, you know, maybe I consider this to be possible, but there is a caveat that must be fulfilled for this to be a valid opinion. So he's saying that if a person wants to leave a jama'ah without an excuse, the condition of that, this is crazy, is that he has to have prayed at least a rak'ah with the imam before he can leave it. Because that is the only way that he can leave becoming a follower of a jama'ah to then going by himself. I find that whole really weird. The point that's being tried to be made is that if you were to join with the imam and say Allahu Akbar with him and just get into fatiha and say, you know what, enough of this, yeah, I'm out. You've not really tasted the reality, the problem, the issue. You've not really become a member of the jama'ah technically. You've not actually prayed a rak'ah with them in a legal sense. And so they said that you have to actually join the jama'ah properly before you can actually become an individual. Because otherwise you will not have left the jama'ah. So how can you, you know, I just find that the end of it strange. So that's why the Sheikh says, just stick to a, a, an excuse, and then it'll be, uh, uh, and it'll, be a, it'll be no problem then. Stick to a legal excuse, okay? Um, okay, there's only a couple of, maybe a few minutes here, two, three minutes here. Sheikh says, 
هل من العذر أن يكون المأمون مسافرا والإمام مقيما فينفرد الإمام ذاته؟ Oh my goodness. I forgot. He covers it here. Let me translate. Okay. Is a legal excuse... Is it a legal excuse for someone who is a musafir to join an imam who is the regular resident and the guy, he will come away, pray two raka'ah and just give the... Uh, 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 so he will, he will give salams after two raka'ah. So different to what we've been talking about. So he joins him at the beginning for four raka'ah and then after two he just gives salams. Alright? Sheikh says no. Sheikh says no. لا. لأن المأموم المسافر if the musafir follower he follows the imam وجب عليها الإتمام it is obligatory to complete with the imam because the Prophet sallallahu said إنما جعل الإمام ليؤتم به the imam has only been apportioned to be followed. He's only been put in place to be followed. And because the Prophet ﷺ said, ما أدركتم فصلوا وما فاتكم فأتموا That whatever you have caught from the prayer, then pray it. And whatever you have missed from the prayer, then complete it. So these are direct evidences of hadith narrated by Bukhari. And uh, both hadith narrated by Bukhari. And Ibn Abbas an was asked, radiallahu anhuma was asked, يعني ما بال المسافر يصلي ركعتين إذا انفرد وأربعة إذا أتم بمقيم فقال تلك السنة What's wrong with a musafir What's wrong with a musafir if he prays two raka'ah and then leaves and four if he prays with the imam if he wants to follow with and complete with the imam and, and Ibn Abbas said because that's the sunnah that's narrated by uh, uh, by Imam Ahmed and Ibn Hajar said it also has a basis in Muslim and Nasa'i okay uh, another scenario so anyway I just want to say that I think people should cont- maintain their prayer this whole two rak'ah business just يعني he prays two on his own and leaves or prays with the imam and leaves Ibn Abbas the, the, the literal translation okay what's up يعني, with a musafir who prays two raka'ah if he is alone and four if he is with the Oh, I didn't, you're right. I didn't translate that properly. Yeah, and yeah. four, if he's with the imam. Let me re-say that, okay? Ibn Abbas was asked by a man, how is it that a person, when he's a musafir, when he's praying by himself, he prays two rak'ah, but when he's praying with the imam who is resident, he prays four. Yeah? And Ibn Abbas said, he goes, that's a sunnah. So what we learn is that it's sunnah to pray four with the thing. Now, I want to say, that's Ibn Abbas's own opinion. That's not a legal statement. Okay? But it's a big, strong statement when he said, that's the sunnah. Okay? So as I said, Shaykh Wali's opinion is an opinion, but it's definitely an opinion of a minority of the minority. So the majority, I just want to say that what you've been doing is correct. Okay? Um, and 
no, you know what it is? We're going to stop there because I'm just pushing the boundaries again and again and again. And there are quite detailed issues here now. So I know exactly where to start from. Okay. Any questions in class? Yes. Um, so the, the excuses that you gave that were allowed would be yeah. length, so length, sickness, gas, toilet uh, break, toilet, yeah, and then if it's legislative. Yes. Is there anything else? No. Uh, emergency, if there's an emergency. Yeah. There's got to be something emergency, whatever emergency is. Yeah. Would I be correct to believe that you could not repeat the salah that was too fast alone after being part of the jama'ah? No, you shouldn't. Unless the prayer was not a proper prayer. Yeah, and for some reason, like something completely disaster. But no, fast prayer is just a bad fast prayer. You shouldn't, yeah, uh, 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 you know, you shouldn't do that. Yes. You mentioned about the whatever applies in the nawafil salah. Yeah. Applies to the public. Unless there's an evidence. So sometimes, you know, in, in terms of some people who don't know the uh, du'a, the sujood, so scholars allow that to be in their own language in the wafid, but not in fark. Yes, because it's not been established in nafil, that's why. Abdul Nasser basically said, you know how some scholars, they allow, like I allow a person in the nafil prayer to make du'a in English in sajda. But I don't like it in fard. And most scholars will not allow it in fard. Sheikh Ahlan allows it in fard. He said, whatever, if that's what the person does. And there's an argument for it, to be honest. It's a very important social argument why we need to allow it in fard because people are not praying sunnah. Yeah? And so otherwise, then they don't even make any dua at all. Anyway, uh, so the reason that doesn't apply is because there's actually the reason, you're, and you're saying, Abdul Nasser is basically saying, well, if it's established in the nafal, then it should be established in the fard according to the maxim that we said today. But my answer is, is that there's actually no evidence which allows it in the sunnah either. So forget about applying it in the fard. The reason we allow it in the sunnah is a fatwa, not fiqh. It's a fatwa that we gave. Yep. The hadith itself says to do the dua. So yep. it's, it's quite general though, isn't it? Uh, it is general, but it is understood that, uh, that everything which is done inside of salah is in Arabic. Dua is a general, but we're in salah. Any other questions, folks? Can a female get a message from another female? Massage. Oh, massage. Sorry. Can I, I was like, what? Can a female get a massage from another female? And what are the conditions regarding the aura? I.e., what needs to remain covered? What parts of the aura can or can't be touched? If it's for a medical purpose, then everything is is possible with within the realms of yeah any respect and modesty. So if there's a medical reason for massage of certain areas, then of course that part, would, the aura would need to be massaged if necessary, and other times it needs to be covered. And um, if it is a thingy, if it is um, just leisure-based or whatever, then another female can see everything other than the hard aura, the hard aura that we've covered. Let's go back to the hard aura aspect. So obviously top, bottom, legs and everything, uh, top half, leg, legs is okay. But hard outer private parts cannot be seen. Cannot be seen. Should be covered at all times. At all times. Okay, guys. Done. Uh, um, Sheikh Hasib Noor is in town. Okay. And he'll be here Saturday night. So uh, if you're uh, free, pop down uh, Saturday night. Um, I heard that there's going to be a sister on the, on the table where he's speaking at. So I will be running out of the room at that moment. <laughs> 
because that will be yani, the, the day that the masjid yani, blows up and uh, first I think in the masjid good luck to the sister good luck to Haseeb subhanakallah alhamdulillah shadu Allah ilaha ilaha astaghfirullahum wa atubu ilaha kudzakumullah khair those people by the way uh, uh, we still online yeah no okay forget that alright